Thanks to ExpressVPN for supporting the Apple Bits XL. You probably don't think much about internet privacy on your own home network. ExpressVPN will secure your privacy and protect your information. Visit expressvpn.com slash applebits and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. All right, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. That is like memory. It has been etched into my brain. I mean, you know I've been doing this for years. It's kind of probably etched in yours. So thank you, everyone, for coming out to the Apple Bits XL. This is our in-depth breakdown of kind of the biggest news, the latest news inside the world of Apple, and then also in the greater tech world as well. It all It's all connected in many ways. So we do focus on Apple for all you that are new here. This is the good and the bad. Plus, this show is all about you all. So what we like to do is have you participate, be a part of it. All you got to do is call in, record a voice memo, applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. And then leave your name, where you're from, Your thoughts, comments, questions, corrections, we take them all here. It's really a big part of the show, and we appreciate it. So again, applebitsshow at gmail.com. Also, this show is completely independent, which means it relies on your help to keep it going. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you can support it starting at $2 per month. $5 is a cup of coffee, $10, $25, the $100 platinum level. I'll go through this quick because I know you all hear this, but you can get, with your support, rewards at different levels you can also get early access to content and the biggest thing a completely ad free version of the show you don't hear this ad you don't hear the beginning ad you don't hear the middle ad it's ad free so thanks again for all your support i'm so grateful for you all allowing me to do this patreon.com slash brian tong all right it is episode 121 we keep grinding baby but Look, this isn't the biggest week of news, but we got some good gems all coming together. Obviously, a lot of stuff has come out. Uh, The MacBook Pro 13-inch is finally in my possession. It arrived today, so I will be breaking that down and having fun with that as well. But so many other things, what, Microsoft dropped their Surface Go 2, their Surface Book 3, which is really kind of starting to build itself up and compete in that MacBook Pro space because it got that touchscreen. So just a lot of fun stuff coming out. But let's get to, I guess you would call this the biggest story. It's all rumor stories right now from Apple. Ming-Chi Kuo, our friend, the ultimate leaker, says that Apple glasses are expected to launch in 2022 at the earliest. And then also a little mention of new iPad models and iPad minis coming maybe by the end of this year or in 2021. So let's hit up first the Apple Glasses story. We know that they've been working on an augmented reality headset. This has been talked about for quite some time. Obviously, it's going to be dependent on the iPhone. That is kind of going to be the brains of this, and that will power and drive all the interactions and what's happening in the Apple Glasses headset. They have their own operating system, which was reported, geez, at least a year, year and a half ago, from Bloomberg called ROS. At least that's what they're calling it internally. Reality OS. Hey, go figure. It's not ravioli. That's what I know. Although that does sound very good. Now, at the time, we've heard from a few outlets that the Apple AR glasses slash headset could launch by 2022 based on suppliers 
working to kind of ramp up that development. We've also heard that Apple is working on multiple types of headsets. So one of them would be an AR headset similar to Facebook's Oculus Quest. And the Quest, I'm I'm just telling you, for everyone that is sheltering at home, I feel like this should be VR's moment. But I think that everyone is worrying about so many things and really people aren't spending 400 plus dollars on a headset when they already might have a game console. But if there was any time for VR to really take off, you would almost think that this would be the time just because the circumstances, you know, interacting, getting not only entertained, lost in different worlds, virtual reality chats, this you would think this could open up that door, but it just isn't happening. I think a lot of it is just because of cost, but the Quest is an amazing device and kind of positioned to be the right thing at this right time, but also it's not, if if you get what I'm talking about. Well, one of Apple's headsets is reportedly to be an AR headset. This is the one that Taiwanese site Digitimes has talked about and others, but the other part of this equation is a pair of Apple glasses that would be a separate thing featuring a high-resolution display. We always see these pictures and images of glasses, but no one knows and has been able to leak exactly what they look like. These obviously would have to be minimal if they are being driven by the iPhone because I'm going to say if Apple launches a larger Facebook Oculus-like headset as their first product, people aren't going to be wowed. People aren't going to be impressed by this. They've got to go with the Apple glasses first. And because we've seen AR headsets already, the big chunky ones that are self-contained, roll that out later. But you gotta get us impressed first with the glasses. That's that's all I'm saying. Now, these glasses are expected to have some sort of touch panels, voice activation, and also head gestures as means of control. These are all things that have been reported and rumored. Again, nothing officially confirmed, but Quo says that Apple glasses expected to launch in 2022 at the earliest. In that same report, Ming-Chi Kuo also talks about two new iPad models. And these are iPads that are kind of the entry-level side of the iPad family. We There is the seventh-gen iPad that has the 10.2-inch screen. It retails at 329. Um, I believe it has an A10 processor. The iPad Air is kind of a beefier model. So this is for the seventh-gen iPad and the iPad mini. According to the report, we may see this as early as the second half of 2020 or the first half of 2021. A 10.8 inch iPad, which is larger than the current 10.2 inch size, and somewhere between an 8.5 to 9 inch iPad mini, currently the iPad mini is 7.9 inches. Now, the thing about this also is that there is no word if they will be redesigned models or if they're just going to kind of extend the bezel to make it fit a larger screen. Chips would be faster, but the whole point of these new iPad, I guess it will call it the 8th gen iPad and the new iPad mini is to follow along the lines of what Apple's been doing with this whole kind of more budget products. Think of them as the iPhone SEs of the iPad line and the prices that they're going to take. Maybe maybe they're, what, 320 Maybe they're going to swing for $299 for, the, for that 8th gen iPad. I don't know. But again, mini LED, that looks to be kind of pushed off. All the latest indications is that mini LED would probably most likely appear sometime in 2021. We haven't seen them in any models of products this year. 
I don't know if we, I don't really expect us to, especially with everything that's happening. Maybe you sneak in a surprise, but the iPad Pros have already passed. There's not many products left. The MacBook Pro 13 inches passed. I don't think we'll see it in a 16 inch MacBook Pro. I could be wrong. Those opportunities for us to even see a mini LED have kind of passed on and look like they're rolling out to 2021. In a connection to the Apple glasses story and Apple developing that product, we know that they've scooped up a lot of companies. Of I would say maybe roughly around a month ago, we'd mentioned that there were rumors that Apple's planning to purchase Next VR. Well, they have now officially acquired the California-based virtual reality company that was confirmed by Bloomberg today. So Next VR, the biggest things that I've seen, and I've actually used the product, it's an app within different VR platforms. So HTC, Oculus, PlayStation, Google, Microsoft, you have it all. But they deliver specific content. They had a deal specifically with the NBA. They've done concerts, Fox Sports, WWE, just giving you kind of that virtual reality experience. I would say the NBA one is really cool because they have their own broadcast team. So they really have a lot of expertise in these engaging types of experiences. You've also started to see a lot of buzz really bubble up in the mainstream for games in VR like Vader Immortal. You have that Tetris game. I can't remember the title of it, but we're starting to see it become getting a little bit more and more buzz, at least from the tech world, and then also starting to touch the consumer world. So they're going to use their expertise, kind of grow out their platforms here. And this is this is a smart thing. They're based in California, and so it's also close to home. They're going to be able to pick their brains and get a lot of their talent and knowledge to help them with this rumored, whether it's the Apple glasses, whether it's the AR headset, uh, even a rumored virtual reality headset. I mean, there's a lot of products that are flying around here, but this can only be a good thing for them. All right, a story that I got excited about. Not excited, but just actually made me a little curious. But then... It changed course, and you'll see in a second. The HomePod was officially sold out on Apple's online store during a period of time on Thursday. Now, that is their $299 priced HomePod. Remember, it originally was priced at $349. You could no longer purchase it because it was out of stock. Honestly, I can't remember the last time an Apple product was completely out of stock sold out with no delivery estimated date, right? There's a difference. We know that AirPods have been sold out, but they've said, oh, it's coming in a month or two months. At one point in time, HomePods on their website showed to be completely sold out. And then people start buzzing or I start thinking, hey, the new HomePods coming out. They've been reducing the price. They've been selling them for like 50% off internally from Apple. Best Buy had them for like around one, was it two? I believe it was 249 or even 199 something crazy like that. Well, I'm sorry. I got excited. The HomePod is now appearing to be available again with a slight shipping delay. Was that was that really story, newsworthy? Maybe it wasn't, but when I originally put it in the rundown, it had sold out. And I had this whole elaborate thing, but it's back. But I think we're still going to see new ones this year. I mean, they they have to. I've talked a lot about how they can fix their HomePod situation, the conundrum they're in make it cheaper, bring that smaller one that can be more ubiquitous in every room, improve Siri, improve smart home device compatibility, and then you're onto something. But until then, we're still in the same exact place of me just saying it sounds incredibly, incredibly good. Actually, I would say it is my definitely my favorite home speaker 
in that kind of self-contained $200, $300 price point. Absolutely my favorite product from that aspect, but but that's all, just because of how it sounds. Also, report from iMore says Apple will be debuting new Powerbeats Pros in new colors that include Cloud Pink, Glacier Blue, Spring Yellow, and Lava Red. If you look at these colors or if you can imagine them in your mind, this is very Easter, spring color looking stuff. I like new colors. Powerbeats Pro, my favorite workout head ear, wireless earbuds by far. Sound great, connect great, look great. There were even rumors that suggested Apple might debut new Powerbeats Pro 2 earbuds. There were regulatory documents that even had them lined up, just even like a minor refresh internally. But maybe we don't see that. And hey, we we got new colors, everybody. Colors are important. All right. Thanks again to ExpressVPN for sponsoring the show Being stuck at home these days, you probably don't think much about internet privacy, especially in your own home network. So you could fire up incognito mode on your browser. No one can see what you're doing, right? Well, guess what? Wrong. Even incognito mode, when you're in it, your online activity can still be traced. Even if you clear your browser history, your internet service provider, they can still see every single website you've ever, ever visited. That's why even when I'm home, I've been recently using ExpressVPN. Now, ExpressVPN makes sure your ISP can't see what site you visit. Instead, your internet connection is rerouted through ExpressVPN secure servers. Each ExpressVPN server has an IP address that's shared among thousands of users. That means everything you do is anonymized and can't be traced back to you. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your data with the best-in-class encryption so your information is always protected. You can use the internet with confidence from your computer, tablet, or smartphone. ExpressVPN has you covered on every device. Simply just tap one button and you're protected. It's the fastest and most trusted VPN on the market, rated number one by Wired, The Verge, and more. So I actually installed the app on all of my mobile devices, iPhones, iPads, and it's really easy because once you set it up, you just launch the app, you hit one button to connect and you're protected. It doesn't interfere with what I've always done. And there is kind of like a peace of mind associated to it as well. So protect your online activity today with the VPN that I trust to secure my privacy. Visit my special link at expressvpn.com slash applebits and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash applebits expressvpn.com slash applebits to learn more. All right, let's get back into it. And I don't know if you saw this earlier in the week, but Epic Games unveiled their new Unreal Engine 5. This is the newest iteration of their game engine. So it's been used by developers pretty much for almost all of the biggest high profile games. And so this is kind of the backbone that allows these games to look amazing, whether it comes to visuals, lighting. And this demo that they showed blew my mind. If you haven't seen it already, just go search up Unreal Engine 5. If you're a gamer, if you're someone who's even into visual graphic stuff, just just watch this thing. You're going to drool because they showed it running real time on a PlayStation 5. This was not a pre-rendered cutscene. I mean, basically, these gaming engines and the power that is available to them looks like or even better than the cutscenes that we used to see in our games that were preloaded. So there's two things 
that are interesting that are coming to this. And why I'm bringing this up is that this Unreal Engine 5 will support not only the current generation consoles, but PCs, Macs, iOS, and Android. So this affects us all. Now, there were two core technologies. One of them was called Nanite Virtualized Geometry. But why this is cool is uh, 3D renders and people using their different 3D modeling apps like ZBrush can directly import film quality source art into the Unreal Engine. And then it virtualizes the textures to make it look pristine. This stuff looks crazy. Then there's also another thing called Lumen. It's a fully dynamic global illumination system. So this allows light to just behave realistically, react to different scenes, light changes. So you've just got, there's just a lot of crazy shadowing and details. They they break down basically how many polygons that a scene is made up of. We're talking about displaying billions. It is the most detailed demo that we have seen so far. Again, this is running on their engine on a PS5. It's going to take until 2021 for them to actually publicly release it, get it in developers' hands, and then they can go to town with it. But again, just worth checking out, and it does affect us because this game engine will be available on all the devices that we use, Macs, PCs, iOS, Android, game consoles. It was it was probably like, I would argue to say, the highlight of the week in the tech space. Other two small notes, Apple supplier TSMC the maker of their A-Series chip will soon announce plans to build a factory in Arizona, according to the Wall Street Journal. This is planned to be announced as soon as Friday, which is this week, and the factory could be up and running by the end of 2023 at the earliest. So that wouldn't be in time for Apple's new uh, A14 chip to come out, but again, making it homegrown, a U.S. chip factory. This has been in the works for some time between TSMC and U.S. officials and Apple, so it's good to see bringing it, bringing it, bringing it here to the home turf. I like that, and we definitely don't ignore the kind of crazy times we are still in. There's still a lot of uncertainty around how we're going to move forward. We have ideas of how to do it with social distancing and whatnot, but businesses will eventually have to open, and it will be a new world. And hopefully, we don't have another outbreak, which could easily happen without a vaccine. But Apple indicated that. They will be opening stores in Italy, reopening them on May 19th. Now, they do have a few kind of measures in place where they will enact social distancing. They won't allow as many people into the stores. They will also check the temperatures of customers. So they will be the first country, from what I can tell, Apple plans to reopen 10 of its 17 stores in Italy on May 19th. Now, this hasn't happened to all stores across the world, but it is a step in the right direction. And I guess getting some sense of normalcy, I'll be honest with you all right now, my MacBook Pro 16 inch, which is my workhorse, I didn't bang it, knock it or drop it, but I opened up the lid once and there's a crack on the screen near the hinge and my screen actually does not work right now. So I've been using an external monitor. I need to get that screen fixed when I go on the road. So I'm waiting for the store to open. Yeah, people say, oh, just send it in a Apple Care. Well, guess what? It's my workhorse. I can't be without it for two or three, four or five days because that means I get nothing done. And yeah, my work is my business. You know, I'm very fortunate to be able to make videos from home. A lot of people aren't even working. So I've got to keep on doing that. And 
you know, you guys and gals have been able to allow me to make that possible. So I'm very, very thankful for that. Okay, let's jump over to our phone calls. We've got, what do we see? Six of them today, a lot of different things. We don't have the biggest stories this week, so I figure, hey, let's let's go talk to the people. So let's get into it again. Remember, all you gotta do to be a part of the show, call in, record a voice memo, applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. And just give us the business. All right, here we go. First call coming up to us from my buddy, David. What's up, Brian? This is David in Las Vegas. And uh, I just had a really quick question about processor speeds, clock speed. Um, I noticed that the new MacBook Pros, uh, the 13-inch models, come with a 1.4 gigahertz Core i5 processor. I always thought 1.4 was a little bit slow. I know it has a turbo boost, but my question is how much does clock speed actually matter when you're buying a new computer? I just wanted to know your thoughts on that. Um, Thanks for everything you do. Love the show. Been a long-time follower. Thank you. David, David, thank you so much for calling in. Really appreciate it and uh, appreciate the support over all the years. Um, So first of all, CPU does matter, but it doesn't matter nearly as much as it did before because processors have evolved so much. So for example, you know, CPU performance, if you look at processors from years ago, they'd be like, oh, 3.3 gigahertz. And that was huge. Now we're seeing processors, different generations like the MacBook Pro 13 inch 1.4 gigahertz, right? Even the bump up is a two gigahertz model. You're the gigahertz does matter, but there's so many other factors. Look, how many CPU cores the computer has drives a lot of that. How much um, CPU cache memory that the CPU can even work with. Those are kind of two big factors. Also, as a processor runs, there's clock cycles. And as processors have evolved, they can do more work per clock cycle. So you have just a lot more efficiencies under the hood that don't get talked about. Even if you look at something like the MacBook Pro 13-inch today, the 1299 model is a 1.4 gigahertz. It's an eighth-gen processor. I had talked about it earlier, but if they had put the 10th-gen processor in that entry-level model, you would only get just like a minute, minute performance uptick, and you'd be spending $200 more. So whether it's an eighth-gen or a 10th-gen, and the processor speed is even the same, the process, the actual performance output may not be that different. So what does it come down to, right? You throw all these numbers, you throw all these different aspects, it just comes down to you. Sometimes you just gotta wait for the benchmarks to really come out to then tell you, if I own this model from this year, is it worth making that jump based on that power? Because even if you compare the 2020 MacBook 13-inch Pro 1299 model with the 1799 model that uses the tension processor. Reports have said there's only a 16.5% performance difference. The biggest boost you really get is in graphics performance. And so that'll come down to what's really a priority to you. There's so many different things to kind of consider. But as things have evolved, depending on the type of user, that's kind of really going to dictate whether it's important, but I would say in general, if you're the type of user that buys a laptop and knows you're gonna try and have it for at least three to five years, you should always kind of just at least go for the top end CPU and then 
you, maybe you can cut back on some of the other things like RAM and a hard drive space if you're not too much of a heavy multimedia user. So I hope that makes sense. I'm sure some people out there that are even more savvy on this could maybe give some other advice if you want to call in. But again, just there's a lot of different aspects to the CPU that drives how it performs that goes well beyond just the CPU speed. Okay. Wow, that was longer than I thought to answer. Let's go to our next call, Fernando. Hey, Brian, how's it going? This is Fernando calling in from Los Angeles. My question today is regarding the 2020 MacBook Pro, specifically the 1799 model. So I bought a 2018 uh, back then. I'm a uh, drummer based out of uh, the local area. And... Um, a lot of the stuff that I have planned on using it for with my band didn't really happen, unfortunately, due to some complications back then. But now, since we're getting back to the swing of things and we still have an album underway despite coronavirus, um, I was thinking about uh, upgrading to the newest MacBook. But is there enough of a um, performance efficiency um, difference for me to make that jump from the 2018 to the 2020 models again it's mainly some audio production but more um some video editing and some album artwork production um that's kind of where i'm at right now i know worth is subjective so any information will be greatly appreciated thank you so much appreciate all that you do and i'll talk to you soon thanks thanks so much for calling in fernando so the way that I evaluate when I need to update my machine is if, based on what I'm doing, does it feel slow? Does it feel like it's chugging? Does it feel like it's struggling? Because you're right, you know, whatever, how much something is worth is subjective to people. And so, for example, you have a 2018 model. Again, you will get some speed bump. If, you, if you're actually doing all right on that machine and everything you do doesn't seem like it's chugging that much, I'm I'm saying you're good with it. Now, you will always get better performance when you upgrade if you're willing to spend that money, okay? The other thing, the biggest thing that this 2020 model offers is the new improvement in graphics. So it's like roughly an 80% bump in graphics performance, which specifically helps with photo work, video work. That's gonna make a difference. Um, you also have the faster... 3,733 megahertz memory, depending on if you select that configuration, that's gonna matter as well. So again, if you're okay with your machine, don't upgrade. But if you really want it and you really need it and you're like this, like putting together our music right now is chugging, then consider looking at the MacBook Pro 13 inch and top that baby off. I mean, I'm again, I'm not gonna say go for, maybe you wanna consider a 16 inch, MacBook Pro, but that's where budgets start really coming to play. So that's kind of my tips. I hope it helps. I don't know if that really helped, but it's just kind of the way that I that I would approach it. All right, next up, my boy Ian. Hey, Brian, it's Ian from the UK. I've been wanting to message you for the longest time, but after seeing your review of the iPad Pro keyboard trackpad thing, I couldn't resist any longer. So here's my comments and question. If in a couple of hundred years' time, a few people came to Earth and they were looking around and they found some videos and reviews of the keyboard and trackpad for the iPad Pro and they saw people putting it on this frame and being able to use it and then complaining about no escape key and then saying, oh, it tips over a little bit and oh, it makes it a little bit heavy and this, that, the other. When those same people saw a MacBook Air 
in another video, they would believe that they got things the wrong way round. That actually we started off with this trying to attach something to a keyboard and trying to make it work and trying to get the apps to work properly and trying to do this and trying to make it. And then all of a sudden we sorted all the problems out by combining it all together into one machine. That's genius. But sadly, no, we're doing it the opposite way around. So my question to you, Mr. Brian Tong, is if Apple decided to put a touchscreen on their MacBook lineup, the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pros, would you suddenly no longer require the iPad Pro? Great show, as always, keeping us company during this uh, lockdown situation. Um, Have a great day. Interested to hear your response. Ian, my man, uh, that mic sounds like butter. Sounds great. Um, thanks for calling in, and that was a fun one because my brain was like, is he going to get to MacBook Pros with the touchscreen? Is he going to get to MacBook Pros with the touchscreen? You did, but here's my answer. It would not eliminate the need for an iPad because, at least, how about this, for my uses, you know, the the form factor, You, I literally sit on my couch on the floor. I put it in my lap. I lean back sometimes in bed. I'm leaning back, and... There's something about that iPad that I've talked about that creates this weird, different connection with your brain because it's such a quote-unquote intimate device. I hate saying that like normal, so I have to like preface it because people are like, oh, you weirdo, why are you saying it's an intimate device? Because it is. Now, with the MacBook Pro, if it had a touchscreen, I'm not going to be able to flip it around like a magazine or a book. I will be able to use the touchscreen. I've always wanted just basic, basic touchscreen functionality scroll up and down, double tap on apps to launch them or touch them, and then multi-touch for pinch and zoom. That's that's all I need on the laptop, quite honestly. I don't need no crazy finger swipes and gestures, and there are plenty of people that actually accidentally reach for their screen. So in summary, in conclusion, it would not eliminate the need for me to buy an iPad, which is one of my most favorite products, iPad Pro from Apple alongside the Apple Watch, which you all know. And I think your point, which is funny, is like, oh, they're doing it all backwards. I think what really happened is the laptop, the way that Apple sees it, has matured so much is that they can't really do anything. For Heck, they put a touch bar in it because they got bored. I know some people like, I love the touch bar. I'm just saying the touch bar, I don't like it. I want buttons. They brought back the escape key in the touch bar, which means it was kind of an admission that they screwed that up. I don't care about the touch bar. That was like almost them being like, hey, let's mix it up. Let's do something different. The the payoff of the touch bar, does the benefit of it and the cost involved, which drives up your machine about $100, $200, wasn't worth it for me compared to the functionality and still isn't. They don't even have haptics in it. So when I touch it, I don't even feel anything. Really, it was more the MacBook Pro had evolved so much that They kind of needed to play in another pond. And so, therefore, the iPad now has the Magic Keyboard, which I do like, which I do really enjoy um, in certain situations. But nothing beats the intimacy of holding an iPad, sitting back and reading it like a magazine and just kind of like petting it. I I like to pet it. I have issues. All right, let's get to our next call. This one's coming to us from Scott. Hey, Brian, it's Scott from SoCal. Hey, hope you and yours are doing well with all this COVID craziness going on. Question for you. 
Are there any keyboards that you would recommend to use with an iPhone? I've been doing a ton more texting right now on my work iPhone because of how nuts everything is, and my thumbs really hate me. So I was wondering if there's any keyboards you would recommend, whether they're Bluetooth or they connect some other way to the phone. Thanks, man. Take care. All right, Scott. This this reminds me of something, the, a term that I developed many years ago. Um, your thumbs may hate you. Your thumbs may be sore. Some people will be like, oh, it's from using them too much. I feel like you're building your biceps. Now, when you when you kind of bend and fold your thumb together, that little area, that little soft, meaty area be, between the joint of your palm and the joint of that first knuckle on the thumb, um, that's your icep. So I think you're just working them out more. But the real answer to this is, um, look, my friend Lance Yulinoff that's on the show, he works for the website um, at LifeWire. LifeWire is the place where I found best recommendations and a really good list for Bluetooth keyboards, specifically for smartphones. And a company that I trust and use many of their products, Logitech has a Bluetooth keyboard. It's called the K480. So if you just look up on LifeWire, best Bluetooth keyboards for smartphone, I know I'm saying, hey, go to Google, but actually it wasn't as easy to find as as I thought. This is actually a pretty extensive list range of prices. And I think the keyboard itself, oh, I think it was around $40 or so. So not too much. I don't know if y'all remember back in the day when Apple had that little like a portable keyboard for um, kind of the old school iPads. It, some of them remind me of this. The cool thing about these keyboards is they are made to work with both iPad and iPhones. If there's someone that's interested in that, because they kind of create grooves that allow you to rest them, whether they're standing or put them on their side so that you can use them with those devices. So hopefully that helps, Scott. Check it out. But it's a um, it's an article on LifeWire.com uh, that you can look up. And it, the model is the Logitech K480. Okay, next up, Leo, I hear you. Hey, Brian, this is Leo Kong from Mobile, Alabama. I've got two things I want to talk about. The first is the iPhone SE. Uh, I just got done listening to your review episode, and I agree with just about everything you pointed out about the phone. Um, I got my parents, and they're looking to upgrade from their iPhone 7s, and uh, I think this would be a good option for them. Uh, they don't have to learn a new uh, gesture technology, and it's got plenty of power, especially with that uh, A13 chip. It's going to future-proof that phone for many years. Uh, the second thing is actually some envy regarding uh, iPhone SE, and that is uh, the Touch ID. Um, I have the iPhone XS, and it has Face ID which working in healthcare as a doctor, uh, it's infuriating because I'm having to wear the face mask every day, all day at work, and Face ID, uh, it doesn't work with a face mask. Uh, so they need to add that underscreen Touch ID as soon as possible. Uh, I know I'm not the only person with this problem, and if you haven't had this problem yet, you should have this problem. Uh, and that's all i got to add. Peace out. Bye. Yeah, man. I mean, Touch ID... It still responds faster for me, more reliably for me. Yes, it creates a bezel or space on the phone. I think a lot of the thing about it is that a lot of phones using the in-display fingerprint sensor, it's good enough, but it's actually less accurate than Touch ID. And I think sometimes, in my experience, can be even more finicky or you have to hold your finger there longer um, than just a face recognition. But because of COVID times and um, everything going on, any type of fingerprint sensor thing would be nice. You know, there's reports that 
I don't expect to see it this year. Maybe it's coming in 2021. We'll see. But eventually, Apple's going to move in that direction. But Face ID, yeah, if if COVID didn't come around, Face ID would still be all right. But uh, we'll see. I mean, there were some even reports that they're working on making Face ID even faster for this new iPhone. So we'll see how that happens. And I wonder if they can maybe change the focal area of where what it uses to detect a face be you know maybe it can just get that kind of eye nose forehead area they don't have iris scanning and so that that's also kind of why it doesn't detect the whole face when you put a face mask on but also wanted to say thank you so much for your work and your service um you know working in hospitals that's a huge thing i don't think that people get thanked enough not only at every level, whether it's hospital workers, from doctors to janitors to people that are working with supplies, delivery people, grocery store, there's so many people that are putting themselves at risk. And again, just want to take a moment to say thank you and we appreciate you as well as if you have family members and it is a stressful situation. Um, You know, my girlfriend, her mom's a nurse and there's many nurses in her family. Like it is stressful to know that people are risking themselves and being exposed to this. So I just want to give you all the gratitude, love, respect, and thanks. So yeah, I just want to throw that in there. Okay, we got one more call coming to us from, well, you'll know. Oh, hey, Brian. It's your boy, Camida, here in Patreon supporter. Oh, Camida, our home and native land. All right, Brian, just wanted to call you in with uh, a review of the iPhone SE. I heard your shout out at the end of the last podcast. So just wanted to tell you my experience. So uh, I've been shooting, you know, 4K video with the camera. I've been going out and taking pictures of, you know, things. I've taken a picture of, you know, bokeh and, of course, the animals that I always have in my backyard. And, you know, the detail of the camera and the performance and the battery life, I've been able to extend it full charge to about a day and a half with my all of my tweaks and everything of my normal use as I was getting before. So it's been it's been really impressive and I've been getting used to it. And um, just wanted to say this. It's a fantastic Apple, better than good Apple. Uh, and then I just wanted to ask you a question about AirPods Pro or these over-the-year headphones coming up at WWDC. I have the AirPods second generation, and it's just kind of one pair, but I don't really have like a secondary pair of headphones if those need to be charged. So I'm just wondering whether or not you would say wait for the -the over-the-ear headphones for like more of a desktop-style use, or what would you say, AirPods Pro in the case, wireless charging case, or over-the-ear headphones? Uh, what's kind of your more lean towards or are we going to just have to wait to see? Just wanted to ask you that question. Okay, Brian, looking forward to hearing from you. Oh, Canada. I did sing with you in concert when you sang the song, so I enjoyed that. But hey, look, this is this is a nice problem to have. Okay, so first of all, I think what determines what earbuds or headphones you get if you are getting a secondary pair of headphones is how do you, how do you feel about putting them on your ears? Because some people hate over the ear headphones and some people hate in ear earbud phones. And I would personally lean towards getting a nice noise canceling over the ear headphones for traveling, but then we're not traveling right now as much. I think the AirPods Pro absolutely surprised me in planes. The noise canceling did not did get worse after a software update. And I remember the first time I was in a plane, I'm like, why does my noise canceling 
not sound as good. And I thought, but I'm like, ah, maybe I'm overreacting. I wasn't. And, uh, it's been the case, but I would personally lean to diversify my headphone collection. And there's big benefits to the sound quality that you get from over there, your headphones. And I would absolutely say that specifically with Apple's rumored AirPod studio, right? Those over there, your headphones, they're going to be real, real nice. And which reminds me, I forgot to actually talk about the story that I had in the rundown, which I will address now. <laughs> but Apple's rumored name, AirPod Studio headphones, they may feature this cool new feature for head and neck detection and equalizer settings. So according to this report that cites 9to5Mac, you know how you normally, there's like an L and an R on your headphones, so you kind of can only put them on one way or the other? According to this report, you will be able to pop on the headphones no matter what side or what direction you put them on and they will play content whether or not it's on the quote-unquote right side or not. When you take them off, like when you're on the neck, there's going to be a sensor that pauses your music much like when you take out your AirPods from your ears, but those are, you know, they're using the sensors on the from the actual little earbuds. Well, this over-the-ear headphone will also have that you're going to have the really easy, quick um, pairing. But another thing that they're talking about is that these AirPod Studios will unlock equalizer settings with low, medium, and high-frequency adjustments available, so you'll be able to have those. I think what makes the Sony XM3s really special is the different equalizer settings. Like They bring music to life in different ways with different genres that not all headphones do. The other thing about these new AirPod Studios is we've seen reports, um, I believe from Bloomberg, where there will be a premium version with like leather-like fabrics um, and the ability to kind of switch out the ear pads and headband padding, things like that. So I think the AirPods Studio, we're just going to call them that for now. We don't know exactly what they are. I think it was John Prosser that threw that name out and said that they'd be roughly $349 or higher. These are their high-end headphones and what they've done with the AirPods, the AirPods Pro, and the HomePod. I'm not sleeping on Apple and audio anymore. To me, they are a legit competitor and honestly a scary competitor for other companies when it comes to audio. They're coming for your ears because not only do they have this great sounding audio, they have the ecosystem and they're going to start, they're going to do hooks in it that are only available to you in the ecosystem. And I would not be surprised if my next pair of over-the-ear headphones that are my favorite end up being the AirPods Studio. I'm not saying they're my favorite now, but I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised. And it's kind of crazy to think that Apple has evolved into a headphones company like that. So, um, but to answer your question, yeah, I'd diversify and go over-the-ear. I'm glad we touched upon that. I was like, wait, I thought I had that story in there. I totally skipped it. All right. So there you go, everybody. Hey, thanks again so much for listening. This show is all about you all. Remember to call in, record a voice memo, applebitshow at gmail.com. Name, number, not your number, where you're from, what you want to talk about. But also, this show, got to give our big thanks to our Patreon Apple supporters at the Platinum Apple $100 level, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, and Eric Cohen. Thank you for your support. And everyone else, look, whether you're supporting at a entry level, middle tier level, I'm so grateful. You're all literally allowing me to do this. It supports the podcast and all the video content. I do pretty much all my work 
If you can't support this podcast through patreon.com slash Tong, look, you can also review the podcast on iTunes. Give it that five-star review. Put in comments. It helps bump it up in the algorithm. I think we're still somewhere around 1.1 thousand five-star reviews. 1.1 thousand? 1.1 1.1K. Holy cow. It's like you have no idea what time I'm recording this. That's why I'm out of it but I'm not going to tell you what time I'm going to record it because we work hard. This is how we do it. I do it for y'all. And I'm grateful for everything that you guys do to contribute to help me keep this going. So there you go, everybody. That's going to do it for this week. Enjoy. Be safe out there. We know it's crazy times out there, but we will be back next week. More fun, more good times on the Apple Bits XL, baby. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.